0: You're listening to Dodge Movie Podcast. Your hosts are Christy and Mike Dodge, the founders of Dodge Media Productions. We produce films and podcasts. So this is a podcast about films. Join them as they share their passion for filmmaking.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to the Dodge Movie Podcast. This week, we are talking about the 2005 film Serenity which is a continuation of Joss Whedon's Firefly on Fox. We watched it on Apple, but it's also available on Prime for $3.99. It stars Nathan Fillion, Gina Torres, Alan Tudyk, Chitwell, and <laughs> Sorry, mister. It's Jafor. thought he was into
0: a key of four or something. Yeah. Anyway, that dude.
1: Marina Baccarin, Adam Baldwin jewel sate sean mare mar mare, summer blau and ron glass like i said last week the dp was jack green who also did unforgiven in 1992 and bridges of madison county in 1995. the filming locations were diamond high school in pomona
0: Wow. Oh, that must have been for the planet Miranda. <laughs>
1: yeah. Desert Star Park in Borrego.
0: Mm. Borrego? Borrego, maybe? Ber-
1: Springs, California, and the Huntington Library in San Marino. I think the forest scenes were done in the Angeles National Forest in Santa Clarita.
0: Kind of curious what they did at the Huntington Library. Some old stomping grounds.
1: Yeah. The synopsis for this. Film is the crew of the ship Serenity try to evade an assassin sent to recapture Telepath River. Oh, yep. Oh, Telepath. Yeah, I was like, why is River capitalized? (laughs) Right. Capture the Telepath named River. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven taglines for you to choose from. All right. Spoiled for choices. All right. Buckle in, everybody. Can't stop the signal.
0: That only makes sense after you've seen the film. Not not not
1: keen on that. Space pirates on the run. Uh, too too generic. They're armed. She's dangerous. Uh, not good. This one river you do not want to cross.
0: Okay, way too
1: clever. <laughs> you will never take the sky from me huh <laughs> sounds like a song type or like a song like right. a lyric right. in a song the future is worth fighting for mm, the very generic okay and the last one they aim to misbehave perfect <laughs> Are you just liking it because it's the last one?
0: No, because that's one of Mal's famous lines oh, that right. he delivered in this film. That's I right. aim to misbehave. Now, what I would have gone for the tagline is, watch this film to stick it to the bastard at Fox who canceled Firefly.
1: Yeah. So if you don't know, let's see if we can do, you probably should do this more than me because let me see. Let me see how much I get right. Okay. Let's play a game. Let's play a game. Okay. There once was a show called Firefly. Correct. Who was the showrunner, writer, director was Joss Whedon. Correct. And all of the people's names that I butchered in the very beginning. Sorry. Except actors. for the, the
0: third build. He wasn't in the show.
1: Okay. They were like space pirates? Kind of? Could you say that? Were they a band of do-gooders? They were... No, no, no. They were like merchant marines or... What were they? The, the, those were all, all fairly accurate. So in the
0: milieu... They were former soldiers from the losing side who had taken up the ship and they were maybe smugglers more than pirates. They didn't so much take stuff from other people, but they would, you know, have cargo that was not strictly legal. Take jobs like, you know, like maybe like robbing a place that had medicine that other people needed. So very Robin Hood like.
1: hmm. And the fans of this show they call themselves the Brown Coats. Very good, because Mal, who is played by Nathan Fillion, he mm-hmm. wears a long brown coat,
0: which comes from when they're on the losing side. That was the uniform of the the losing side.
1: And so, do you remember anything about? I didn't look this up about the ratings. Like, was it a highly rated show? It,
0: it was highly
1: rated amongst the
0: nerd fans. So it had plenty of, of staying power, but it was on Fox. So they cancel all good shows.
1: Yes. And so when it was canceled, this was one of the first films that kind of got uh, organically. I don't, I I think this and Veronica Mars, it was a very organic fan kind of surge of attention and how dare you. And we want our show back.
0: There is someone at Fox who made that decision and there are people in Hollywood who know that person's name. And if they ever let that person's name out, I would fear for their life. This was a horrifically stupid decision that has got the nerdiverse. I mean, they're, they're ready for blood. Right. So this was maybe an attempt to calm the the, the natives down a little bit or give them a film. We'll let Josh kind of wrap up and call it a day.
1: And so this is how Joss would have ended the series. I believe I read. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah.
0: As far as I know, that was the whole thing about the Reavers. That was going to be an arc that went over the entire series. So he just kind of skipped ahead to the end.
1: And in doing my research, they kind of changed something. Cause I believe Alan Tudyk's character actually died in the series and so they resurrected him for the film Uh,
0: I don't remember him dying in the series but he may have it's been a long time since I've watched maybe I'm
1: thinking because at the end of the film he
0: He dies and that is I mean maybe narratively required because he's obviously the best character which we know because he wears the Aloha shirt and only the very best characters wear Aloha shirts but that (laughs) was brutal when they killed Wash
1: yeah Ugh. That was tough. Okay, yeah. so give us your pickup line.
0: Earth that was could no longer sustain our numbers, which doesn't really make sense unless you think of it in terms of Fox killing the show. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> so as someone who kind of was late to the Firefly party, I... I didn't watch the show initially. Did I watch like later seasons, like when we got together?
0: You watched it when I rented the DVDs from Netflix.
1: Probably. Okay. That's probably when you saw it. Yeah. So I, but I wanted to give my little shout out to the filmmaker because you didn't need to have watched Firefly to enjoy this film.
0: That is correct. It stands on its own.
1: Uh huh. Which kudos to writer, director. Joss Whedon. I don't have anything listed for cinematography, but it looked great.
0: Yeah, so uh, I I have
1: a few notes.
0: First of all, it opens with oodles of visual effects and they hold up pretty well, right? I would agree. CGI spaceships apparently do pretty well. There was one thing I made a note of because as a director, I appreciated this. There's an opening scene where a, a doctor is trying to run from the third build person the operative is the name of the character who's going to kill them and they have this inexplicable extreme close up of them tripping on a dead guard's ankle so you very much could have just shown them running in the wide and tripping over the dead guard but they had the 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 extreme close up and i immediately thought ah oh, they're covering a cut <laughs> <laughs> and having been there i'm like i feel you bro there's some strange lighting choices, which I think is intended to, to give us a sense of, of being a little bit out of sorts. But one thing that I thought was really an interesting choice was whenever they're on the planet Miranda, all of the shots are at least a full stop overexposed. Hmm. And I'm not exactly sure why, mm-hmm. but I mean, is 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 Constant. It was noticeable. I also noticed a couple of things. Um, one is the Steadicam that they used to circle River when she was having flashbacks on Miranda. Reminds me of my very own cinematographer Steadicam. Quick cuts and lack of lighting makes the ac- action sequences more exciting. So when River opens a can of whoop-ass in that like bar area, it's very dark and there's a lot of quick cuts so it makes it look even more like uh, actiony quick. And then the last thing I have a note of in under cinematography is this is literally the only film I can think of where it's raining during daytime.
1: Mm. I have a shot where
0: it's raining during the day. That never happens in Mm
1: -hmm. Hollywood. I do remember being very impressed with the chase scene that goes through the forest because it didn't look CGI. And I feel like I saw a behind the scenes and I'm trying to remember... It looked like they were actually like, you know, filming it practically.
0: Uh, yeah, I w- wouldn't be surprised simply because of budget. They might have done a lot of stuff practically, right?
1: I know it's Alan Tudyk and, and Nathan Villian, but now I can't, were they on horses? No were they on like a space speeder kind yeah, of thing Yeah, I
0: think it was supposed to be kind of like a like a gator but a hovercraft kind of version. Yeah.
1: And I remember, yeah, anyway, sorry. Yeah. Sorry everybody. There are all the movies are starting to run together. <laughs> At the very opening, it's set in 2517 and it's a teacher and she's with her students and I did wonder where this beautiful garden was and it's the, um, botanical gardens in, in LA. Uh, Oh, Nope. I didn't write it down. It's some beautiful botanical gardens in LA. Right.
0: (laughs) So I'd read when the show was airing that one of the source inspirations for this, for Joss Whedon was a book. It was called something like angels of death or angels of mercy or something about the War of Northern Aggression, mm-hmm. uh the Civil War, mm-hmm. right? And there and so the brown coats are obviously the Confederates. They lost, right? And so what do soldiers do when they lose? Then he sets up very much the the empire or the whatever they call it the the strong o- overly powerful central government, which is again very much calling back to the Civil War, with the the North having this idea of a strong federal government and the states not having much say at all. So very much, Whedon takes on this as kind of this you know commentary about the large centralized, all powerful government entity squishing the little guy and Mal even talks in dialogue about they're just trying to, you know, survive to the next week, basically. But I find this fascinating because in the current era, the idea of a government that makes things worse under the guise or the, the slogan of protecting your health. So they actually engineered the thing, that caused the reverse. So they made things far worse by trying to get rid of this aggression or this free thinking. And it was interesting seeing 30 years later, or however long it's been since it was made, how I think it's especially piquant in the current situation, because to me, the the warning about the dangers of an all powerful government and how it's pretty much un-American is, is particularly appropriate in the current era as well as in in the show
1: i felt like the aircraft especially the interior scenes was very reminiscent of like star wars so like the millennium oh yeah falcon so
0: i i I made note of that so i i thought at least for the tv show and maybe i got this wrong so some brown coats can write in and tell me if i got this wrong I thought they built the actual interiors of the Serenity in full scale, the whole ship. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, That's big. It was big. And, and so if I remember correctly, the trivia I'd heard was that when they were shooting, the actors would actually go hang out in the kitchen area when they weren't shooting together instead of going back to their trailer. That's fun. But the area where Mr. Universe, who's played by Bernard from the Santa Claus it looks like the Death Star. I don't think there's anything you can say that's not, that it wasn't specifically designed to look like the Death Star, where there's this, this column within this side, this inexplicable giant void where if you fell, you would fell, fall for like hours before you hit and died. And then the Alliance Space Navy crew members look like Imperial or death star crew members, right? You could see them on the bridge of a star destroyer. So to me, it was very obvious that the art department was tipping the cap to, to star Wars.
1: Yeah, definitely. My favorite line was delivered by Adam Baldwin's character, Jane, which I think it's interesting that why did they give Adam, all the names are very interesting.
0: Yeah. I think they, they do more in is that this his last name. In, in the, oh, gosh, I don't even, I think it is. It's spelled with a Y. J A Y N E. I think they talk about more in the series. At least they heckle him more for having a, a lady's name. Uh, speaking of, of uh, identity thief.
1: Right. Sandy Patterson. Yeah. But he, I, is he talking about river when he says this? I think. Or is he says what about- he says she's starting to disrupt my calm.
0: Oh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> and I do like that and it turns out that other people agree you can purchase those sweatshirts on the internet
1: right. I loved that line because he's he's traditionally not a calm character and so he was obviously trying to really get himself into a calm mindset right. and I believe it was River was upsetting him or maybe it was my favorite actress makes an appearance in this movie. <laughs> And I was absolutely overjoyed
0: this being Sarah Paulson. Oh, that is correct. Sarah Paulson plays a, a doctor.
1: Yes. Uh, like, but it, but, uh, what do they call it? Like, what did they do to Tupac? A See, It was a hologram. Yeah. yeah. Of Sarah.
0: Yeah, isn't that gonna be interesting if Tupac becomes a verb for hologram and not n- right. not remembered well, for everybody music. Knows, everybody knew what I meant. Yeah, they did. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, there's I am to misbehave and she is starting to damage my calm. Those are good ones.
1: Good Jane lines.
0: Um well I am oh, to no, misbehave is, is, is mal, mal, but those are those are some there's some good quotes in this kind of show and movie, but in this movie, there's also Washes, I'm like a leaf on the wind, which I have seen that license plate frame on the road. That's awesome. So th- there's some really clever lines in, in the whole series, which I think was mostly, if not entirely, written by Joss himself. I so believe so, yes. Cr- credits to him for the the dialogue.
1: This film feels a little, especially near the end, a little darker, a little rougher, a little gorier near the end. Yes. With the space battle. Than the TV show. Then the TV show. I'm sure he couldn't get away with a lot of that. So he kind of was able to flex that muscle here.
0: Yeah, I think there was even the episode in the series where they're running out of air, which is kind of, I think they encounter another ship. You don't see the kind of the gory reavers that you do, I think, in the in the film
1: under editing i have we were both surprised that in 10 minutes into the film we have character credits which kind of took me out of the film because the very first one it's mal on screen and it says nathan villian and i was just like well nice way to just i know that's nathan villian but i'm supposed to be believing that it's mal and then the next one i believe It says like Gina Torres and she's on screen, you know, she's like screen left. So I thought that was an odd choice because it just, it completely, you're like, wait, what? It was very, I mean, not, I don't want to say confusing because I knew what was going on, but.
0: So this is something I've, I've done a little bit of research recently uh, about credits. And to me, I do find that interesting that there is a tradition to have, in addition to the title, at least the main actors' names mm-hmm. at the front of the film. But I agree with you. I, 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 I think it, it, especially in this case, it kind of takes the viewer out of the film, reminding them that, oh, here's a famous actor. And like you said, we knew who Nathan Fillion was. Right. So maybe you could have done it at the beginning of the film, like kind of in the old days. Yeah, um, yeah. Or left that to the end of the film and right. just done the title.
1: Because it was just, it was so far into the movie that we paused it because it was like, wait, and it was like 1034, I believe.
0: Yeah, it was over 10 minutes in. It was strikingly deep.
1: Like I said, a very believable chase in the desert scene near the beginning. Oh, I loved it when the camera or when the ship was in trouble. The shaky cam, which we know so well, because when you... (laughs) have an elevator that kind of shudders to a stop. Right. Shake the camera. Yeah. So it worked out well. Yeah. I liked that. And then I said, river is a killing machine in a dress, no less. Cause she's walking through this one section and she's wearing a dress that basically is like a slip dress. Yeah. It's so thin and she is just killing bad guy after bad guy after bad guy, just left and right. And I was just like, damn.
0: So obviously this is a recurring theme for Joss because Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? Sarah Michelle Galar is five foot two and, you know, a hundred pounds, tiny little thing. Then Dollhouse, right? Uh, He had a lot of teen girls that were kicking butt here. River. And I mean, it's a by the premise, by the bit thing. But one thing I do kind of mention is just the physics of somebody that tiny if you generate a ton of force, physics is going to say that the guy who weighs twice as much as you will move backward half as much as you will. This is why offensive linemen in football are 300 plus pounds, They just so they don't move. So that part, it, yeah, when you throw in the fact that she's barefoot and wearing, in essence, just a, a slip or maybe, uh, you know, jammies, and she's laying whoop-ass on, on the whole room, I mean, yes, it's, it's there to kind of make it extreme, but it is a little bit like, okay, I could buy that she's like faster than they are. So like some good throat punches or eye gouges totally get, but yeah, she's kind of hell on wheels. Just goes through the room. Like they're not even there.
1: So now's a good time to bring up that in my research, um, summer is a very, it was like a trained ballerina. And so they said okay. that she was very good at the fight scenes cause she just treated them like you know, kind of like dance steps. And she was really, really good at learning them and executing them. The thing she wasn't so good at (laughs) was remembering her lines. (laughs) And so, so much so that when she would mess up a line, they would go summer and it became such a thing that if Nathan Fillion messed up a line, he would go summer (laughs) (laughs) and it became the next swear for any time any of the actors messed up a line. So that is not a reputation I would want to have on
0: set. So it's interesting. We were just talking about this the other day that one of the many reasons I don't think I would be a good actor is because memorizing Lots and lots of dialogue seems like it would be challenging, but on a on a movie, right? I don't know how many pages they shot a day, but with all those different characters, you know, apologies to to Summer Glau, but uh, I don't know how much dialogue you really have to memorize. Whereas we were watching a play where the two actors had long soliloquies that they had to deliver. And to me, that was like when I was in school and you have to memorize a, a speech mm-hmm. to give like for the speech contest or whatever. That was tons and tons. But then you think, I, I don't know what, what, what uh, her dialogue was, but yeah, you could see if she had a couple of sentences and, you know, Nathan delivers this long thing and then she flubs it up. yes
1: <laughs> I would just hate that. Like, I mean,
0: I guess. Yeah. You became notorious for being uh, like a goof. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. In the cargo bay, just after a river is shot, reaver. a reaver is shot. Some of the crates behind River have the message "Reusable container, do not destroy" <laughs> printed on them. It's an inside joke because the ship set had to be rebuilt from scratch for the movie because the original from Firefly
0: was destroyed. Well, that makes sense because even if they built the whole thing, you wouldn't keep it around when the show, and it was interesting speaking though of sets. I remember years ago, there was some chatter on the internet that this TV show called the Sarah Connor Chronicles about the Terminator universe had been canceled and people were going back and forth. And then somebody said, no, I was on the lot and they've torn down the sets. The show is dead. And that is really pretty much the, the death knell is when they tear the sets down because they're you know going to use that space for something else. So it wouldn't surprise me after that person whose life is in jeopardy at Fox canceled the show that, that of course, the, the location people, you know, the facilities or whatever the equivalent is like, well, we got to, you know, free up this warehouse for another purpose.
1: I wonder if it's the same guy
0: that canceled the grinder. <sighs> you know, it could be. And if so, that person is in double jeopardy. Mm -hmm, They really need to run to another country.
1: Was there any head trauma in
0: this film? Well, yes, there was. In the opening bank heist, Jane slams a guard's head to the ground. River kicks some heads in the fight in the club. The operative kicks the living crap out of Mal. And then... This is a good one. River throat punches her brother Simon and then kicks him to the deck. The operative throws Mal to the deck in the Death Star fight, hitting his head. And then Mal gives the operative both a Glasgow kiss and the people's elbow. <laughs> so lots of lots
1: of good head trauma in this one. And did we get a... I don't remember her name, Gina Torres and Alan Tudyk Kiss. Smoochie, smoochie, smoochy.
0: I don't think in the movie we see Wash and Zoe kiss. We also don't see Inara and Mal have any sort of interaction, even though the sexual tension is there.
1: It's very strong. You can tell those two like
0: each other. Right. And it's explored throughout the through the series so her role is closer to a geisha than a prostitute but there's always that kind of there's a jealousy thing it's really well done
1: i would think a protection too like his character would feel very protective over her yeah but she's very fiercely independent yes. so there's that sparks yeah
0: uh, and nathan not that he's not a handsome fellow now but wowzers back right. then he was quite the leading man
1: so it's a futuristic vehicle, but do you have any driving review that you'd like to discuss? I do not have a driving review. I don't know
0: the specifications of the Firefly cat class <laughs> spaceship. So yeah. I can't comment about uh, the realism of that. There's the the previously aforementioned chase scene. Again, they're hovercraft. I can't really comment a whole lot on that. So, uh, this one, I'm going to have to give it a bit of a pass on the driving review.
1: That's fair. All right. Shall we go to the numbers? then? Let's
0: go to the numbers.
1: Okay. This universal pictures, Barry Mendel production m- had a budget of $39 million and it made 40 million. That's a little short. Cause I think it
0: sold a billion dollars of DVDs.
1: I agree with you. That is a worldwide number, but And I think you're right. It probably went on to sell many, many more. But of the, I go to numbers.com and that's.
0: Well, I'll be honest. I think the theater was only the people who loved the show.
1: Well, it's interesting you say that because the IMDb score is 7.8 out of 10. And when I went over to Rotten Tomatoes to get those scores, there is no critic score. But the audience gives it a hundred percent
0: brown coat to represent
1: yep but why do you think I I don't know how I uh, Rotten Tomatoes really works let's see so this released in theaters right yes it wasn't this is long before streaming 2005 so I wonder why it doesn't have a critic score
0: I don't know either I think it got zero marketing. If I recall correctly, it had literally zero marketing. The studio tried to bury it. But, of course, brown coats represent. The nerds knew that it was in the theater. So I think that's where the the money it did make come from. Uh, But, yeah. And so my guess is because the studio didn't push the critics to review it, they didn't publish any reviews.
1: One of the things, and now having had this conversation, I wish I would have looked at, the numbers gives you, like, opening box office numbers. And then as it goes, you know, second week, third week, fourth week, I would be, st- that'd be curious to look at that.
0: I'd be stunned if it had more than a week or two in theaters. No, I mean, I agree. the studio really didn't want this film shown,
1: but that's a huge Testament though, then that it did make 40 million cause oh, that's yeah. op- That's an opening weekend.
0: Yeah. I, I would think it's just, yeah. Um, a week or two, but again, every nerd, was salivating over this for years. Right, so. right.
1: So this is just under two hours at 159. It is PG-13. It does have some gore and violence, like we said at the end, but I, like I said, we there was not even a kiss. And then, I guess, language. I don't remember. No salty language. No gratuitous topless shot. I mean, uh-huh. I don't know why PG-13,
0: other than maybe the Reavers are a little scary.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's listed as an action-adventure in a sci-fi Genre. So, like I said, we watched it on Apple. I think that'll do it for us. Don't forget to turn in your guests as to what our theme of the month is. I feel like we've been giving lots of hints along the way last week and this week. We will be talking about Tombstone next week and then that will wrap up the month of August. So, get your guesses in and never forget. Dodges never stop and neither do the movies.
0: Thanks for listening to Dodge Movie Podcast with Christian Mike Dodge of Dodge Media Productions. To find out more about this podcast and what we do, go to DodgeMediaProductions.com. Subscribe, share, leave a comment, and tell us what we should watch next. Dodges never stop, and neither do the movies.